well. Hmm. It's going to be a challenge today. For those of you who may be here for the first time or at least very new, it is worthwhile to me to take a moment to tell you that what you are experiencing today in the way of the nature of the message or what you have experienced for the last several weeks from me concerning the message is not the norm. I am an expository preacher, which means I take a book of the Bible and I go through it beginning to end until we're done with it, and then I go to another book of the Bible, which that's been my pattern for 27 years now. And there's no deviating from that pattern except for a very occasional and very rare uh, occurrence, and this certainly is, because the last time that I did this, and especially on this particular touchy subject of finances, was 10 years ago, and before that, it was 15 years before that time. So I am very sensitive to the fact that we do have people who are new, and it's like, are you kidding me? The church only ever talks about money. No, really, we hardly ever talk about money. You just happen to luck out and come at the right time. Or the wrong time, you may be thinking, but the Lord knows what he's doing, and for whatever reason that he brought you at this time. I know you think, he didn't bring me, I came here. Well, I got news for you. So this is actually part five. You can get all the previous messages, which I highly recommend on the Internet at our website because they do all build on the previous message. And today is certainly no different. The reason that I'm talking about it is because Jesus thought it was important enough whereby he spoke about financial things more than any other subject in the Bible. That is the honest-to-goodness truth. Well, what I want to say this morning is I'm going to start out by way of looking at a, uh, uh, I'm going to quote from a website that I went to. Actually, I stumbled on it. I don't think I was even looking for it, but I started reading it, maybe because of the little, you know, grabber headline of whatever the subject was. This is what it says, quoting, American consumers just hit a scary milestone. They now collectively have the most outstanding credit card debt in U.S. history, according to a report Monday released by the Federal Reserve. Americans had $1.021 trillion that is worth crying about. $1.021 trillion in outstanding revolving credit, meaning credit card debt. And that's as of this year. Continuing quoting, this record should serve as a wake-up call to Americans to focus on their credit card debt, said Matt Schultz, senior industry analyst at CreditCards.com. Even if you feel your debt is manageable right now, know that you could be one unexpected emergency away from real trouble. Second Peter 1.3 says that God has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I know when we think about religion, we think about church and worship, and especially about the Bible, we think in terms of, oh yeah, it basically tells you how to get your fire insurance policy, so at the end of it all, if it's even even true, that you'll get into heaven maybe. Well, that certainly is a big portion of the scriptures actually to be technical, and I don't want to get too far off here, which is why I use extensive notes, because it's too easy for me to go off like I am right now in saying that the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all primarily about Jesus Christ and God's unfolding plan of redemption or salvation for mankind. But interspersed throughout the 66 books of Scripture, he covers 
all things pertaining to life and godliness because he cares about us and he cares about the quality of our lives here and now. And he cares about our ability to be able to choose freely to be able to do his will. And as I talked about last week ever so briefly, debt has become such a scourge that it prevents God's people from oftentimes doing what he really wants them to be doing. And I mentioned just uh, on an extreme, somewhat extreme case of missionaries who wanted to go to the mission field, but because of their debt load, no mission field would pick them up. They simply couldn't afford them. And they couldn't have people, they couldn't even ask them to begin to raise that much money for them to go to the mission field. And so this is a vital interest to the Lord, and it's a vital interest to each one of us. Now, last week's message, if you were here, and a lot of you weren't, which was all about debt, I know that it wasn't comfortable. At least it wasn't comfortable if you fall into the large category of Americans who are in bondage to the masters of revolving credit. Again, that's a synonym for credit card debt. And who are in bondage to interest and who are in bondage to immediate gratification. But God loves us, and God really is concerned about how we experience this life, and certainly about the hereafter, and that's why he says so much about finances. In Proverbs chapter 22, a very wise man by the name of Solomon said, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. In 1962... The typical American household was spending 60 cents of every dollar that they brought home. Today, Americans are spending $1.30 for every dollar that they bring home. That is not sustainable. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this is a spiritual problem and not a financial one. And what I said last week about debt really was, as hard as it was to hear, was the easy part. <laughs> Lucky you. Yes, indeed. Please take it to heart. Now, looking at the Apostle Paul and what he writes to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4, he says that we, and not just referring to pastors and preachers, but certainly us, are to strive to speak the truth in love. And the purpose of that is to get us, he goes on to say, is to grow up unto the fullness of all that God would have for us in Christ. And then another, uh, basically kind of my, my motto, if you will, or one of my mottos before I even got out of seminary, was from Galatians chapter 1, where Paul says, knowing that he was having to deliver some unpleasant news to the church at Galatia, he says, am I now seeking the favor of God or of man, or am I striving to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And so I have the unenviable task of bringing both the good news and the bad news as we approach the whole counsel of God's word. But what seems to be bad news to many is actually good news because, again, it emanates from the heart and the spirit of God to have better for you and for all of us. And right before I begin now, I also want to just mention ever so briefly what I will call outliers 
in things that I'm going to say. There are always outliers, meaning those things that fall outside what is the typical. And those things are always difficult to deal with from a scriptural basis and everything else. But that doesn't mean that there aren't answers for those things. And God's plan from the beginning, and it hasn't changed, for mankind, not just for Americans, and not just for Christians, but for everybody, was that the unit of society would be what is called the family, which consists expressly of a father and a mother, a two-parent household with which to raise children in the next generation of the church. Now you say, well, some of the stuff that you're going to mention uh, this morning, Pastor, or even what you've mentioned in the past, I'm a single mom or I'm a single dad. I'm a single parent. And so what you're going to say, especially in just a few seconds here, that doesn't apply. To, I mean, you're trying to say, I mean, I feel guilty enough as it is, but, you know, I'm just telling you, you're an outlier. The things that God gives his counsel toward are meant to be for the norm that he planned. And whenever we deviate from that norm, for whatever it is, now we just happen to be talking about the family. But whenever we deviate from his norm, whether it was forced upon us or we made the choices, which is more often the case, things fall apart. And even God's solutions, while they are still viable, are not as easy as they would be if you started from that core of what God said is to be the norm. Now let's work our way out from that norm. All right? I hope that wasn't confusing. Father in heaven, I pray right now truly for the ministry of your Holy Spirit to be in our midst. Because this, Lord, you know, is not to breed some kind of guilt and motivate people by guilt. That's despicable and it doesn't work anyway. But Lord... You have your words and you've given your counsel to us for our good and for your glory and your purposes, I pray. Give ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. How many children today are growing up with absentee parents, not just absentee fathers, because the household debt load of Christian families in particular Demand, demand two incomes. Let's go to the starting point then of the family. And I'm going to back up even before a couple is hooked up in holy matrimony. So I'm speaking not just two, because the the principles still apply, but anyone in here who is not yet married, who hopes to get married, who perhaps is looking at marriage or is engaged to be married or is just gotten married or you've been married 40 years, but especially those who haven't started yet. Remember, we want to go to that norm, the beginning of the road to begin with. The assumption today, or even better The expectation today in the minds of Christ following newlyweds, and this is from my long years, decades of experience with pre-marriage counseling and then post-marriage counseling and then divorce counseling and all of that. The expectation today in the minds of newlyweds is that both of them are going to be working. I mean, that's not like, it's, it's rare. It has happened, I think, on one or two occasions. But the expectation is, well, what, do you, what do you mean, talk about it? We're, of course we're going to both be working. Already, boom, 
were off the beginning of the road. Not because, oh man, you're one of those guys, huh? You're one of those chauvinist pigs. You're stuck back in the days of Leave it to Beaver with June and Ward Cleaver, with Ward coming home and June being there in her little coif and her little clip-on pearl earrings and pearl necklace doing the dishes in a nice dress. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Thus says the inspired, infallible, and errant, authoritative word of God. Nothing wrong with a two-working household if... And we're going to talk about those ifs. So again, the starting point is that two people are going to be working. Here's the problem that when I was doing pre-marriage counseling, now that's been fielded out amongst the staff and and, uh, trained counselors and all. The danger with entering marriage without thinking through these issues and just automatically going out and the both of you, mother and dad, or no, you're not mother and dad yet, uh, father, uh, <laughs> husband and wife, both going out and getting jobs is here's what happens, and very understandably so. You go get a job, you've got two incomes coming in, and now all of your thoughts and all of your decisions on what is affordable, if that even comes into the picture, which I hope it does, is based on what you are currently making Now, together, I understand that. But here is the deadly caution. So now, a year down the road, two years down the road, three years, whatever it happens to be, all of a sudden now, there's a child on the scene. Well, we've raised our standard of level to two incomes. Now, mom has to work, even if she doesn't want to. Now, she has to work. And you see, again, now you just stepped off of that road that God planned for the norm and for success, and you're already now having to scramble because we're off the inspired path or plan of God. Our entire economy is based on two incomes. You say, well, Duh. See, that didn't used to be the case. You say, well, what difference does it make? It makes a huge difference because the cost of everything in life has gone up based on the fact that there's two incomes. The cost of everything is engorged with an artificial value. Back in 1967... My father bought, at least in my memory, I was in sixth grade probably, bought his first new car, brand new, a Plymouth. And I remember seeing the sticker on the side, and it was $2,700. Brand sparkling new Plymouth. That wasn't anything fancy. 2700 bucks, And that was the sticker price, so who knows how much less than that he actually got it for. Today, the average price of all new vehicles lumped together is $33,000. That's as of 2016. Today, home the average home in America is $318,000. That was just as of this past June. Now, how many of those $33,000 vehicles and how many of those $318,000 homes would sell today if we were still in a one-income economy? That's institutionalized servitude. 
How many husbands and fathers are not around as much as they could be or should be because of the availability of overtime, which, when offered, has become mandatory because of debt? Now, I want to just say again what I said last week and probably the week before that or the message before that and before that is that these things are not inherently sinful. Barbara and I have had credit cards from the day we got married. And from the day we got married with one little blip, meaning one month payment, we pay off the balance. We purposely put everything we could in later years on Discover Card. The card was free. We put everything we could on it. We pay off, but keeping track of what we spend, pay it off every month, and Discover is paying us about $300 a year to use their card. It's a sweet gig if you have the discipline to pay off the balance. There's nothing inherently wrong, but we desperately need divine Balance, no pun intended. So like many things, overtime can be a life-enhancing blessing from God, to be sure. But it can also be a life-sucking bondage from the devil. When it is your choice, and when I say your choice, (laughs) well, of course it's my choice. I don't have to take overtime. No, when I mean it's truly your choice, not your choice to do it because I have to because of my creditors. No, but when it is your choice to take the overtime or not, you have to choose wisely and in a balanced way. And if you do that, again, overtime can be an absolute godsend. Overtime is not inherently sinful. But when you have to take the overtime, because without it your debt-riddled ship begins to list, then you have your debt now driving your divine prerogatives or choices. You see, it's a spiritual issue, not a financial one. I've heard it numerous times over the years, well, I'd like to be in church much more regularly with the church gathered together on Sunday, but we need that shift differential. Or, But overtime is necessary to keep things going. Well, we'd like to be in a small group, Pastor, but, you know, work makes it prohibitive. Now, again, I'm not talking about the outliers. I'm talking about what is truly our choice, which isn't a choice if our debt is what is driving those decisions. Daddy, little Susie says, I have a concert coming up this week. Are you going to be there? Oh, Susie, Daddy has to pull overtime this week. Now, I imagine Susie, not that she would, questioning, why, Daddy? Is it because of my braces? I totally understand. Thank you, Daddy. Or is it because of your new and your new and your new and fill in the blanks? You know where I'm going. I used to work in a factory. And I don't mean years ago when I was a punk. (laughs) Well, I was a punk, but I was an old punk. It was between after hospital administration, after medical technology, after the military, after all my education, I was waiting for a church to finally schmotten up (laughs) 
and call me to be their pastor, which you did. Some of you are probably regretting that at this very moment. I understand. When I was working in the factory, and I check all this stuff online, it's so cool, the kind of things you can find online these days. I was making, I believe, at the the apex, I was there about five, six years, doing monkey work, repetitive, on a machine kind of thing. I was making $7.75 an hour, family of five, living in northwest suburban Chicago. And that was 1985 through 90, 84 through 90, somewhere in there. In the day, doing all those calculations, which are easy to find online, we were living, our income was $1,000 a year over the poverty level. That's it. There were opportunities for me to take overtime, which we could have used, And the three times a year or so that it was offered, meaning literally only three days out of the year, periodically they would have overtime available. It would have been nice to have had it, and sometimes I did avail myself out of one of those three times, but we didn't have to have it, meaning the lights weren't going to go off if I didn't take the overtime. Hear the word of the Lord, Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. And these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. What were all these blessings? That's what follows. You will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the country. Your economic status, well-being, welfare doesn't gonna, isn't going to depend on whether you're in a thriving metropolis or whether you're out in the Tuileries. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. I mean, your children and the crops of your land if you're living out in the Tuileries and the young of your younger livestock if you're a farmer, the calves of your herds and the, li- and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Meaning you're going to have plenty of food. You'll be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. God's going to be blessing you all the time. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put into your hand. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in the season to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend money to nations but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention... To the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Now, this was God's command to the nation of Israel for success as they enter into the land that he had prepared for them. But you see, the church of Jesus Christ, universal today, is overrun with what amounts to Christian idolatry, worshiping the gods of consumerism at the altar of debt. Let me try now to be practical. Ah, that look of relief, he's done. (laughs) If you are just starting out in your married life, as I said, or if you're just thinking about starting your married life. Stop and think through 
your dreams and your desires for a home and for an education, if that applies, and for a vehicle or vehicles and for vacations and for your toys. Even think through the very first steps. Remember that starting point. Think through those first steps towards tying the knot. What do I mean? Most people today, I'd say virtually everyone, gives or gets an engagement ring. Guys, listen to me. Brides-to-be, plug your ears. Don't go in debt up to your eyeballs buying a big flashy diamond. Do you know what the average engagement ring cost in 2017 of February of this year? Six thousand dollars the average engagement ring i don't know about you but when we were just starting out actually right i say before starting out there was no way nor would i even consider it after all she had the biggest jewel anyway (laughs) yeah was that cheesy Honey, is that spit up on your front there? (laughs) Okay, brides. Brides. I know the wedding gown. Oh, here he goes. And I know that traditionally the father buys the wedding gown, right? The father pays for the wedding even of the bride. But that's only traditionally. You know, a lot of that has changed too, partly because of affordability. The average wedding gown today costs... $1,500 and some change. I wonder what that comes out to per hour of wearing it. Now, how come along the way, and I I always thought this, I thought this one even way back when we were getting married. How come the guy can walk in and rent his outfit, but the wife has to go in, or, you know, wife-to-be, and lay out, in this case, $1,500 for a couple hours of use? Think through these issues. Honeymoon today, the average cost is $5,700. This one, the next one, floored me. The average cost today of a wedding fathers to be of the bride, you might want to close your ears here $26,000. I'm like, what? $26,000. That's why when my little girls were growing up, when they'd fall asleep, I would walk into their bedrooms. And I don't know if you know this thing about subliminal persuasion, if that works or anything, but I'd say, baby darlings, when you get married, it's going to be coleslaw in the entryway of the church. You'll be happy you'll like it. I did that just about, you know, at least once a week. That didn't work, by the way. (laughs) And by the way, if there is some budding young entrepreneur out there, start a wedding gown rental business. (gasps) It'd take time to get off the ground. They do exist, by the way, on the Internet. And there are some that are few and far between. But the ones that I saw, 
Oh, my goodness. The rental cost was more than what I mentioned for the average purchase because most of them were these high-end, well, you can rent a Vera Wang wedding gown for only $2,200 instead of shelling out, you know, it's like, really? I mean, you know, I'm trying to be practical here. Things you don't think about or you don't want to think about. By the way, I paid 200 I was trying to remember, it was either $225 or $275 for Barb's engagement ring. That was back in Atlanta. It means I was doing my medical training for the Army. 1970, what did I say? I said Atlanta. I meant San Antonio. Thank you. <laughs> Sweet lumps of butter. <laughs> in San Antonio for $225 or $275. Is it a carrot? No. Is it CZ? No. Is it a perfect diamond? I have no idea. It was a beautiful third carat solitaire. And I've tried to upgrade over the years. But my precious darling says, no, I don't want another diamond. This is the one you gave me. And I'm like, yes, no argument here. Next. (laughs) One financial site that I stumbled across said, nothing destroys a marriage like debt, acknowledging, oh, you may disagree, and you say that infidelity does. I would argue that oftentimes infidelity finds its fertilizer to grow the seeds of discord in the marriage spawned by financial stresses, making one unpleasant to live with, making someone else very attractive. Absolutely. Lack of communication and financial stress are the two number one and two problems in marriages today. Let me give you more thoughts of a practical nature of buying stuff. There's a hefty price tag to pay for the pleasure of immediate gratification. There was a day back just after the dinosaurs when if you didn't have it and you couldn't pay for it, you didn't need it. But that all changed with the way-too-easy credit, as I talked about last week. So, we need a refrigerator. I'll grant that that is a bona fide need to have a refrigerator. However, it is not a bona fide need to have a stainless steel refrigerator or even a new refrigerator. Now, am I saying it's wise to buy an old refrigerator? No, not today, especially not today. But if you can't afford it, then maybe it'll, you can hang on to it long enough. And I honestly believe that God honors those kinds of things if that's why we're doing it, to save up till we can buy what we really want. Oh, but I know you had on your heart the stainless steel one with the ice maker and the water dispenser in the door that talks to you. I get that. But you're carrying a balance on your credit cards already because of other non-essential pur- purchases like the treadmill that has long since become an expensive clothes-drying rack. So you buy a refrigerator. You say, to heck with saving up for it. I can get it now. The bank says I can afford it. The credit card says I can afford it. (laughs) Sucker. So you purchase your, we'll be really kind here and come down, $1,500 refrigerator. 
making a minimum payment, which is, tends to be about 4% today on most credit cards, seven years to pay off that refrigerator at the minimum 4% payment, which you have to use because, again, you're so strapped on everything else, and an interest rate of average of 18%. The total interest payments on that refrigerator over the time that you're paying it off will be just under $800. So the real price of the refrigerator is basically $2,300. Now here's the kicker. It'll take you seven years to pay that off. I mentioned last week, according to statistics, but also my brother, anecdotally, who's an appliance repairman in Chicago, the average life expectancy without needing some kind of major service today of any appliance is five years. So think through that one. So here are some questions to ask before buying stuff. And by the way, this doesn't, this doesn't only pertain to if you're struggling with credit. This is for basically any substantial, out-of-the-ordinary, perhaps, item that you're thinking about buying. Number one, is it honestly a need or is it a want? Now, if, biblically speaking, you can afford it, meaning everything else is in balance with the scriptural rules, if you will, or guidelines for a great life and all of that, and you're honoring the Lord with your tithes and your offerings faithfully, go get it if you want. But there's a better way even for that. Is it a need or is it a want? Just to help you kind of prioritize where this falls. Three years ago, you bought a new washer that was genuinely needed. But you also bought a dryer at that time. You had a dryer at the time that was perfectly functional and had no problems, no issues, no signs of anything. But the new washer and the new dryer match And we know how important that is. Because I don't know about you, but when we have people over to the house, almost to everyone, they walk in and they say, where's your laundry room? I want to check out your washer and dryer. And then we hear screams. We go, they just saw the brand new washer, because the other one died, and our 25-year-old, we were talking about, dryer. that has footprints on top of it from T-Rex. Those little small arms doing the stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Key. Well, obviously, we're not going to finish. So, okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. All right. So, you can only really manage the minimum payment of this new match set of washer and dryer. But let's say that you had the presence of mind this time to say, you know what, no, no, we'll buy the washer because that is a need, the dryer, we don't have to do that right now, we're not taking on more debt. And then lo and behold, what happens? You receive a windfall. You were expecting, you know, four or $500 back on your tax refund, and instead you got like $2,300 back. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, baby, guess what we can do? We can go out and we can pay outright for the not needed dryer. That's an option, assuming everything else is in order. But what if instead, oh, call me crazy, that you keep the dryer that is perfectly functional and you take the windfall or the majority of that windfall and put it on your credit card paying it down? 
<laughs> that's no fun. <laughs> I know that's no fun. Oh man. I've got so many so many stories here truly because by the way I'm not I'm not just telling you stuff, okay? I'm telling you what we have lived and are living. Trust me. So finally in the grand scheme of things about 4 years ago now I think we had a kitchen remodel. First time in our lives any anything even close to that. Did we need a kitchen remodel? No. We didn't. Could we afford a kitchen remodel? Absolutely. Did we put any of it on a credit card or time? No. We had already bought in anticipation of something, and plus we were going to gas, and because I do a lot of cooking, I needed a five-burner stove. So we bought a stainless five-burner stove that, by the way, they can cost five to ten grand. Ours cost. I'm going to say 500 and some dollars. They do exist. General Electric, Fortins, across the bridge in Winslow. Do they have their thing up here? Oh, no, we're charging for that for advertising. Okay. So when the kitchen was being done, Barb's sister and brother-in-law flew out from Chicago to help us do some of the the demolition that we were doing ourselves. And we had to tear up the, the old, ugly wood floor and everything else. And they're out there. So anyway, so they come and they're, they're looking at everything. And, and uh, I don't remember if it was a subsequent trip or maybe it was just then. But we had the stove. We didn't have the refrigerator. No. We had a Martin's microwave that was kind of a uh, ucky, yellowish, whitish, beige-ish, you know, whatever. But it was perfectly functional. It was a great microwave. And Barb's sister, who lives in a different universe than us back in Chicago, said, okay, you've got to get a new, you are getting a new microwave, right? And I said, no. She goes, you cannot put this beautiful kitchen in here you're going to have with that microwave. I'm like, well, eventually we'll get a stainless microwave. But this one, there's nothing wrong with it. She said, well, I'm going to buy you one. And I thought, Fine. But no, I actually, I said, I said, gotcha. I said, what about the dishwasher? Doesn't match either. But I said, you know what? No, I said, no. I said, there's nothing wrong with this one. We'll get one when we need it. And we did get one, what, two or three years later. Wasn't a need. We didn't have to have it. Didn't have to have the kitchen. But again, we don't live this Spartan existence, you know. We don't go to bed at night with a hair shirt on. That doesn't relate to many of you. That's how they used to punish themselves in the Old Testament or in ancient times. To Can you imagine a shirt made out of hair and wearing that, right? I mean, can, yeah, see, you're squirming already. Anyway, that's what they used to do. They think it makes them holy or some such thing. Anyway, uh, I've already blown this so far out of the water that it doesn't really matter. So anyway, godliness with contentment is great gain. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 6, 6. I'll just give you maybe one or two more because they're quick, I think. Number two. Number one was, is it a need or a want? Number two, does it make economic sense? And what I mean by that is, to me, okay, I would have a real hard time paying $2,273 for a $1,500 appliance. 
To me, that doesn't make economic sense. Number three, oh, yeah, I could take a year on this. Do my spouse and I have unity about the purchase? If I talk to the guys, they go, absolutely. I want the boat. (laughs) If I talk to the wife, now, now he doesn't care about the matching washer and dryer. He's a pig. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Badgering, pouting, moping are not allowed. You need to discuss these things. Is there or isn't there unity? And if you and your spouse have his and hers checking accounts such that you're thinking, well, I don't care if it's unity or not. It's my money. Call the church, get a counseling packet, and get into marriage counseling. All right, I'm going to have to stop there. This is too much fun. (laughs) I wish I could just convey to you again the true freedom. And freedom sounds like such a warped word or strange word to use in the context of, of filthy lucre, as it's called in the old King James, you know, money and materialism and all that. We, like I said, we don't live this Spartan existence. I do drive a 10-year-old vehicle by choice. I happen to like the idea of letting somebody else take that big depreciation that happens as soon as you drive off the parking lot and then let it get seasoned and worn in, you know, so that the imprint of the butt's already in the driver's seat for you. You can just, no. And again, there comes a point where, you know, penny wise and pound foolish, to be sure. But it's worked well for us. And I believe it's worked well, thinking back to what God said to the Israelites. Look, you're 40 years in the wilderness. Did your sandals wear out? No, they didn't. Did your clothes wear out? No, they didn't. Because God does supernatural things, but even beyond that, he gives contentment. This is my fourth Explorer that I'm driving, Ford Explorer. It's 10 years old. We just got it in February. Okay? It's because I like the vehicle. I like sitting up high (laughs) compared to my Mini Cooper. Is there anybody in front of me? I don't know. And God wants you to come into that place of enjoying your lives. Not carrying that stress of finances, which I grew up with in my household. The only time my mom and dad ever had arguments, if you can even call them that. Is it an argument still if only one person is going, which was my mom. My dad knew better. She'd kill him. But... It was always over money and money issues. And without saying, note to self, that was etched up there. So it's like when we started on that road of holy matrimony, we didn't come into the marriage with debt. And then we got saved very quickly, and we learned about God's plan for us, for finances and, and honoring him in all of we do what we do in life. 
And I'm telling you, we have miracle after miracle after miracle. Which again, if you've read my book, The Proper Pursuit of Prosperity, many of them, certainly not all of them, are in there. And many have occurred since the writing of that book, four or five years ago, whatever it's been now. God tells us these things because he loves us and he knows what he's doing. And as a loving father, he wants the best for all of us. Let me have you stand. Lord in heaven, I so pray. Speak to the heart and soul of people in here, Lord, who unfortunately can relate way too well to some of the things that I've talked about this morning. And pray, Lord, you would give them a holy determination to really look into your word and your counsel to get rid of the chains that bind them and deprive them of life. You would have much more for them and for their marriage and for their household. To your purposes, Lord, and your glory, I pray. Amen.